This podcast mixtape is presented by Basic Space, future commerce for Generation Next. For more on Basic Space, please visit basic.space or download the app on your iPhone. You're listening to Own the Future. I'm your host, Jesse Lee. I caught up with an old friend, Hector Mulez, who's a group creative director at Apple. Hector shared his personal journey as a marketer, starting his career in journalism and media, touching upon key roles at Vice, Wyden Kennedy, CAA, LVMH, and Remova. We also talked about what makes a brand special, being intentional and drilling down to the truth and the why. Uh, up until a few days ago, I was um, what we call a group, a group creative director at Apple. There's a, a team there called uh, Worldwide Marketing Communications, and it's sort of Apple center of excellence for the last 20 plus years. My role there was leading brand strategy and, and creative for what we call the services portfolio. So those are all the businesses that Apple does that are not consumer products. So the things like Apple Music, Apple TV, TV Plus, Apple News, News Plus, Apple Pay, Apple Card, Arcade. So portfolio that's been growing quite substantially over the last years. My background is in journalism, actually. So I studied very young when I was uh, 18. I, I, I was working for uh, local newspapers and, and lifestyle magazines. So I'm, I'm born and raised in Barcelona and kind of worked my way through journalism and, and, and lifestyle media. I, my first real job was at Vice when Vice wasn't even Vice Media. It was just a magazine that existed and, you know, they had moved from Montreal to, to New York and then they had just opened an office in London and they had plans to expand all over the world. And I was living in Berlin at the time and I met the founders, Shane and Saruj and Andy Capper, who was the editor back then in the UK. And they offered me the, the job to be the editor-in-chief and creative director of Vice in Germany. And so we started the, the brand in Germany and then we helped them expand across all of Europe. So I helped them set up uh, editions in, in, in France and Spain, Switzerland and Austria, and, and help them grow from being a magazine to being more like a, a media organization. So those were the times when they were doing MTV content and, and, and you know, Vice Records, the publishing arm, etc. I was also working a lot on client solutions back then, what today people call native advertising, but this idea of creating advertising solutions for clients that were maybe in tune with the editorial voice or the editorial behavior of the publication. Uh, so he had done a lot of cool work for Nike and Coca-Cola and a bunch of brands. And I started getting the curiosity, the, what would it be like to solve problems for brands at a bigger scale? So I went to work at an advertising agency called Widen & Kennedy in Amsterdam. Traditionally, they've been responsible for the Nike and the Coca-Cola global accounts. And I cut my teeth in advertising there for the next few years, got you know, the privilege to work on, on some pretty big uh, global campaigns and, and understood the sort of the fundamentals of brand building. And one of the things that happens in ad agencies, I think, is that all the issues that get through those doors are analyzed through the through the lens of the core capabilities of the agency, which is making ads. And I was really curious about what it would be like to be able to solve problems with different tools or with a bigger toolkit, not just advertising, but what else is there and how can I get access to it, as well as maybe helping them not just receive problems, but maybe identify the problems. So I knew that my path would lead me eventually to, to the client side. I moved to the US in 2010. I went to Los Angeles with my with my wife and I started working at this place called CAA, Creative Artists Agency, which is a talent agency. And at the time they were building a sort of creative brand creative and marketing department to kind of help the corporate clients and the talent, uh, you know, create interesting things together. That didn't last too long. I was there for a year and a half. And then I got recruited to go to, to Media Arts Lab, 
Meteor's Lab has been Apple's agency for the last 20 plus years. And it was a dedicated agency to Apple. And I went there together with my partner at the time as group creative directors. And then in a very short period of time, that was when Steve Jobs had just died. And so in a very short period of time, we were asked to move to Cupertino to work in-house for the brand and help them build this new iteration of what we call Markom or what marketing communications, which was, you know, a centralized brand communications, advertising and brand marketing and strategy all under one roof. Uh, so all those disciplines, you know, anything from packaging to advertising to retail to digital.com, et cetera, all under one roof. And at the time we were mostly dedicated to Apple Watch and launching and bringing the Apple Watch into the world. And then I moved to the LVMH group at a time in which all the fashion executives were kind of going into tech and I did the opposite. And um, I ended up there working for this German brand called Remova, a luggage brand, like a 120 year old brand, amazing, amazing product. And I ended up working there as a chief brand officer in, in, and I just came back to Apple about two years ago. And but as you can see, sort of my background is all in, you know, brand building. You have a very 360 viewpoint, I think, of what, what it means to be a brand. So then in your opinion, right, what's the importance of, you know, people use the word branding or brand quite a bit. How do you sort of qualify like the positioning of a brand, right? And how does it impact the the sort of the long-term success? Yeah, it's funny, like everyone uses different terminology. And a lot of times you're in those conversations talking with someone about brand, 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 and then you kind of double click and you're like, what do you mean? And they're talking about the logo or, you know, their Instagram account. A brand is a very nebulous thing to describe. For me, the best the best definition, I think a brand is a point of view and the expression of that point of view. Brand expresses itself through a myriad of ways and, and through a ton of touch points. And sometimes a brand is behavioral. Sometimes there are visual touch points. There are all sorts of cues, but that's that's what I think it is. And, and through that point of view, just like a person, there's got to be a truth, which is, I think, for me, what's helped me a lot in, in the brand bit of this is um, the fact that I have a background in journalism and that in journalism, your job is to, to find a truth or try at least attempt to find a truth and then build arguments and build narratives around them that prove point that. And I think brand building is the same. Like, And now I've been doing this for a while and, and you can immediately tell the brands that are built on constructs that are absolute bullshit. Uh, there are basically a bunch of people in a room talking about, oh, you know, we're all about transparency. So, you know, and then you can tell the brands that are rooted on a deep truth, like the Nikes of the world and, and the Apples of the world that are the building blogs are, are truths. They're things that really happen and there were intentions there, right? So I think that to me makes a good brand or puts a brand in a different category. And then from there, you build a little bit of latitude again, just like a person, you know, you don't always need to be consistent, even though people think you have to, but I think, you you know, you need to allow as a brand, A, to evolve and B, to, to have different behaviors within that framework. So is there a specific marketing campaign or a project that you may have worked on over the past 10, 20 years, right? That, that stands out to you and, and, and being in truly like authentic and to your point, right? Like done a really solid job of coming from the right point of view. Well, I tell you two campaigns that I really that I really like that I didn't that I didn't do, but I I, find, I keep finding phenomenal. They are brand building, but they're more like campaigns. I think one of them is what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. I think it's a phenomenal line, and it just says everything in an incredibly succinct and simple way, which is a fundamental principle in communication. And I don't even need to see an image. I understand exactly what that means, and it means a lot of things to a lot of people. The other one I like is the traditional Patek Philippe campaign of like, you're, you're never truly on a Patek Philippe. You're merely looking for the next generation. 
again, because it has everything embedded into it, you know, brand, value proposition, emotional. It's an amazing, amazing idea. And the way it's being brought to life, it's, you know, arguably could evolve a little bit, but as a sentiment, I think it's super strong. I like platforms instead of campaigns. So I like ideas that you can stretch over time that become proof points for the brand. Uh, shot on iPhone. It's on its, I think we started that campaign when when I was a media arts lab and it's like on its fifth or sixth year now and it keeps going strong and it finds ways to to reinvent itself and to iterate, but it's fundamentally the same idea stretched over time. And uh, and I like the the brand work that we did with Remova because people sometimes look at that case study and they're like, oh, you know, the logo was so good or like the collaborations or or whatever. But I think that what made that exercise interesting was that we our our job wasn't necessarily just on the brand but it was in the category it's the fact that people didn't give a shit about suitcases they they're seen as this kind of largely functional object or wear scene where you put your shit and take it from point a to point b and i think we embedded a category with a little bit of emotional meaning and and particularly for remoa was to carve this space off which was rooted in the history of the brand was this idea of like, hey, if you travel to like, I don't know, go on vacation and wander around and figure out what's this and what's that and to just to be distracted, then maybe you need different types of tools. But if you travel to accomplish stuff and you you travel to get things done and and you travel with a purpose, then Remova is the brand that traditionally for the last 120 years has been creating these tools for those purposeful travelers, right? So it was a category exercise that I think really resonated with consumers. So you've obviously had the uh, the sort of the experience of working with some of the category leaders, as well as you mentioned early on on the media front. But if you had to think of the future of retail, let's say 2021 and on and post-COVID world, what's your sense of like what that looks like whether you're a, an established brand, right? Yeah. Or an upstart. Do you have a point of view on that? Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a phenomenal question. And let me tell you that the 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 sharpest of think tanks are spending most of their time trying to answer that question. And I have, I suppose, a million ways to interpret it. So I'm gonna try to distill it. And I think it's it's a very simple idea, which is the future of retail, right? Whatever the format of that is to start understanding retail as a channel that is not exclusively transactional. And I know that that sounds very simple, but it's not. I think even people that are, that are and have been working on omni-channel still see certain touch points in retail as, well, this is a brand building one, and this is a, a relationship building channel, and this is a transaction channel, and this is a like a product discovery channel. It's like, I don't think we can make those discussions, you know, we can make those distinctions anymore. Just like when you look at media, I don't believe anymore. And there's awareness media and then there's conversion media. Like that's all bullshit. It's like this sort of like concentric circle. And and I think what retail is the same. It's like no matter the entry point or the iteration of what retail is or looks like, it's got to offer everything. It needs to be entertaining. It needs to have an element of brand building, of community building. And yeah, then you need to have a seamless transactional element to it, which is why the new platforms that I'm seeing that make a lot of sense that are that are doing well are platforms that have embedded all those elements into it. You know, there's a curatorial element to it. There's an experiential element to it. There's a brand building. There's a community building element to it. And then there's the transaction. And when you look at a lot of the websites for luxury sites and stuff, they still have that traditional mentality of like, no, we are the end touch point for people that go to the store and like the omni-channel journey 
companies are so simplistic sometimes and they're like, oh, they go, they try the item and then it's more convenient to order the thing from home where it's like, not if you're in the middle of nowhere and you want to order something, like that's going to be your only brand building touch point. So do a good job at it, you know? Because also, right, consumers are just getting smarter. So this is a conversation that comes up a lot. I mean, through technology, everyone has access to information, looking for a brand and a product that they not only can relate to, right? They want the truth, right? Whether it's ethic, transparency, like quality of product, craftsmanship, to your point, that's why the consumers are going to naturally expect more from the brand and the brand they can't really disguise that around it, right? So the experience has to be authentic, but then to your point, has to provide like four or five other values outside of just the transaction. Right, to see retail as a transactional channel is like to still believe that people buy something. I think people buy into something. And so retail, it has to evolve just with the consumer, right? The 10 episode compilation is produced by Westwood Westwood and edited by Jason Stewart.